Wait, Bally's was supposed to cover roster moves, not help make them. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two. Get the Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Honestly, I had planned this whole Star Wars Episode 3 thing where I was going to say, it was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them. And then we could go into this whole angle where Bally's has become the evil they swore to defeat. But you don't know what I'm talking about, so why am I wasting my breath? No. <laughs> That's not my language. Do you know my love language? Uh, yeah. Over the years, I've learned some things. Animated Disney movies. The Office. Those are two places we can start, but I didn't have any direct correlations between, like, Aladdin and Jafar and what Bally's is doing here, perhaps to the Guardians. So, <laughs> I'm... That's why I just, I decided not to do the whole thing. Thank you for that. The only thing I know about Star Wars is that on May 4th, every year, I won't stop saying, may the 4th be with you. That's Star Wars, right? You are really the worst. Yeah, you, you are really the worst. <laughs> I've just decided, <laughs> as of right now, after all our years of friendship and working together, I've just decided today you are the worst. Welcome to the Selby is Godcast, where we'll talk about movie quotes that Zach doesn't know, and also roster moves that happen in which we witness Cal Quantrill's Cleveland career probably come to an end. We're not quite sure how it's going to come to an end yet. That hasn't been decided, but he's been designated for assignment. I would consider that a pretty shocking move. Based on your text message to me right before it happened, I would say you were a little bit shocked by it too. Yeah, I I don't know where to start here because I if if you just like wind me up and turn me loose, like I might start talking about Quantrill and wind up talking about the future of baseball and death of the sport and payrolls and revenue sharing and <laughs> this is me doing that. I think so so let's let's get this out of the way. I never want to be like my sport guy. Because to be honest, like people who know me best, like I cover baseball. I watch a lot of baseball. I like baseball. I grew up loving baseball. There's nothing better than like an NFL Sunday on the couch. Okay, so I I don't ever want to be like my sport guy. People can like what they want to like and that's fine. And I never want to be whiny, complainy, curmudgeon sports writer either. That's There are so many of those people, and I just have no interest in becoming one one day. Now that that's out of the way. I think we're going to talk about a lot here in this episode that I hope doesn't come across as complaining and more so comes across as criticism, constructive criticism, um, disappointment or a call to action, I think there are three levels here. I think there is a local level. I think there is a national level. And I think there is a sport level. 
and they all tie together. And what's weird is how this has, these thoughts have been sparked by something as simple and inconsequential as Cal Quantrill being DFA'd. But him being DFA'd has led me down the spiral to how important it is that baseball saves itself or gets out of its own way. So should we start at level one, Cal Quantrill, and the decision to DFA him before we get deep into this? I think the elephant in the room that you can't avoid, so let's just get it out of the way, is how much is this move impacted by the uncertainty of a TV deal? And is the fact that he was due somewhere in the neighborhood of six, maybe six and a half million dollars in arbitration, was that weighing on their minds when they made this decision? We'll get to whether or not it should or should not. But first, I want to get those cards on the table. How much of a factor did it play? Because there have been some things written. I'm not sure how real they are. I just want to set the record straight right now, based on what you know, or even what your opinion is. Yeah, I mean, I... I... (laughs) So, I asked about the payroll and the TV situation two weeks ago. And I was told... They're still sorting through it. They don't know yet. I don't believe that for a second. They say that kind of thing when I ask about what they project the payroll to be, whether they'll add or subtract. I ask about it every November. I ask about it at the winter meetings every year. And it's the same answer every time. And you're telling me that this organization doesn't know what its finances are going to look like when they get to the offseason? There's no way that that's true. This organization probably knows what their finances can be in 2027. Okay, but you know they'll come back at you and say, well, Zach, we don't know what this resolution is going to be. To which you would respond, "Sure, you guys are smart, and so therefore you have a scenario where everything stays status quo, and you have a scenario where everything hits the fan and we're, we're not getting that money, or our TV deal is up in the air. There are two scenarios here. They don't just wait for that resolution, and then act on it that very day. That's nowhere nowhere close to happening. Right, so that's the key. This is, they're not blindsided by this. They've had a plan. They had a plan when they told me last year, when there was also uncertainty with the TV setup. And, you know, it was December. Well, we're still working through it. It's March. Well, we're still working through it. It's June do you know what your opening day payroll is going to be? Well, we're still working through it. It's, it's yeah. Now, I also understand why they wouldn't want to share that. You know, the twins came out and said, hey, we're trimming payroll. And they put like a pretty precise number on it, which was interesting. And like, that isn't going to go well with the fans. <laughs> stop, nor should stop being honest. Whether it's your win total or how much you're reducing the payroll, don't tell us exactly what you're thinking. Doesn't go well. So, well, and I think that's part of the job is like to sniff out the BS. And I can know I'm being lied to, that there's nothing I can do about it. And I understand that that's part of the game here. Um, you know, the Twins just made the playoffs. They won a playoff series. They, everything's supposed to be great. You want to build off of that. And then they come out and say they're trimming payroll. And the TV situation is is the reason for it. I mean, for the Guardians, their attendance was up 40%. And we can talk about like what that means, but we've heard for years that attendance was the driving factor in their revenue. Okay. 
Well, is it or not? Because now you got what you wanted. And so, I, I look, I, I don't want this to turn into a cheap ownership thing, turn into a, you got to spend money because you still have to spend money properly. But, like, there are teams who do not have the revenue you have, who don't even make as much with their TV situation as you have in the past, that have payrolls that you're not close to. So, you know, it's a shame that if it was, if the Quantrill decision was simply money, like, I, I don't, it's hard for me to gauge exactly what they think about him as a pitcher, because if this was, you know, if they have no wiggle room financially that they're willing to operate with, and that's the reason for this, then how am I supposed to know? Maybe they were like, hey, Quantrill would be great. Like, if their payroll was going to be $120 million, would they have kept him? You know, I mean, this is a team that six years ago gave $7 million to Boone Logan to be their like sixth best reliever. So I, I think every year you're operating under different set of parameters. And we don't know what this they are right now, but I can take a pretty strong guess as to what they're going to be based on this decision. Um, you know, there are other factors too. It's like, clearly, if they could have traded him by now, they would have. And obviously, like, they might end up doing that, but it sounds like there wasn't, you know, they were there. They weren't going to be overwhelmed by a bunch of offers um, ahead of this. So, okay. You know, I mean, that's I, fair. I I, how many I've teams want to pay Quantrill? I've heard that. And I'll, I'll hear that and raise you a, why not just keep him then? Because I, I think I'm with you. I think he has value regardless of what other teams believe. Witnessing what we did where thank God you had all that pitching in the minor leagues ready to go. Because if you didn't, it would have been a repeat of a couple of years ago with J.C. Mejia starting half the games. This is what happens over the course of a long season. Your thoughts on what your your rotation is changes. And you're, you still have two guys in this rotation, by the way, Bieber and McKenzie, who have missed a lot of time over the past several years. On top of the fact that you have a lot of young, unproven, lack of track record men that you're counting on within this rotation now. As I said on Twitter, Quantrill is the type of arm that just he just lets you sleep better at night knowing that he's there. Now, I know he had his own injury issues this year. Not, not that I miss that, but I'll take my chances on having more than five starters that I like entering the year and feeling good about that as opposed to, well, here's our five, and we just hope that we're not going to have to rely too much on Hunter Gaddis this upcoming year. Or insert next young pitcher that elevates himself that eats up a few starts every single year. So when you tell me that if they could have got something they would have, I I agree with you. And I said, they know these things. It's not the, I think it's a huge swing and miss if you don't turn him into something of value. And I'm not talking about your right field answer. I just mean something that helps you up this coming year or in the near future. I think that's a miss. If you give, a, if you just let him walk and you don't get anything for that, I think that's a miss. But they know that too. They know that. So yeah, if they could have gotten something for him, they would have. But if that's not there, this is not the case of Ahmed Rosario where we said that because Ahmed Rosario was done at the end of the year and the guys that you wanted to re- replace him with 
in your mind, were probably on equal footing, if not better, going to give you better production once Rosario was gone. This is not that situation with Quantrill. So why not just keep him? And then this is where it comes back to that. Is that $6 million the best use of their resources? And how much comes down to the fact that they don't want to wrap up $6 million in a pitcher that at his best is maybe more of a depth guy when all this stuff is just still hanging in the balance? I don't think that's a good enough reason, but that's where the organization is coming from. Yeah, so so there's a few things here. One, you know, I think the the line that the public seemed to hang on was that the Bally situation was the direct reason they cut ties with Quantrill. And, and I, I think I think the things can be related. It's like correlation without causation, but that it's not because Chris Antonetti also said they felt like there were better ways to allocate that money, right? So if the Bally's thing is going to force you to strip down your payroll even more, I, I then why do you have Bieber? I mean, it's like he's going to make $12 million. Um, you know, then you shouldn't have handed Miles Straw the contract extension. I mean, there, there, there are very few ways to pare down this payroll. You know, you trade it for Christian Betten, Bethancourt, who is due, I think, $2 million in arbitration, like, you could have just gone with David Fry making the minimum. So I, I I don't know, like their payroll as it stands now without Quantrill, if they tender everybody a contract who is headed for arbitration and they just keep their roster as is, it's somewhere in the 80s. Um, depends on how those arbitration contracts play out. So it's pretty similar to what it was last year already. So if they, and, and that's because of raises to guys in arbitration like Josh Naylor and a bunch of the relievers, Jose Ramirez is making a little That's more money. So MVP vote getter Josh Naylor, by the way, put some respect <laughs> on that. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, that did not come from me. Uh, but I think, like, the, the when are you like? Where is this going? <laughs> That's my question. And and do you just are you operating as first of all, like you made fifty five million from this company that is bankrupt and desperately trying to get out of everything that they agreed to take on years ago. Right. So like I, and, and your attendance was up 40%. I sure would love to see the books to see what that, those profit margins were like in 2023. Um, and then just what are you just operating as if you're going to have $0 in TV revenue in 2024? I mean, I, that's a, that there's an economics diploma right there in the background, but like I that that's it's a fraud. Okay, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know nothing about this stuff. So where did you buy that I, online? I can't Tell me the down. truth. Where did you get that? <laughs> I can't, I can't bring it down the way <laughs> the way I'd like to. But I, I'm I just wonder where this is going. When are you ever gonna like? You have the most glaring needs of any team in the league. You had 18 home runs as an outfield. The second worst team had 46. You are two and a half times worse than the second worst. Sound real. And so it's pretty obvious. And I don't know if it's gonna, you know, the free agent market. That that's the other thing, and we can get to this in a minute. Um, The free agent market for position players is rough. So like, you could argue that it might not even make sense to pursue to spend money on your most glaring needs that way and to address this via trade. But 
you have to do something. And I just, you know, it like this roster isn't that far away from being a contender. The rotation, even without Quantrill, if it's healthy, it's really good. The lineup has some glaring holes, but it also has like five or six guys that if I was Steven Vogt, I'd be pretty excited to to write their names down. So I, I just, it seems like it's not an easy fix because getting two legit outfielders is not easy, but like, it's not like a long list of desperate needs. And I'm just like, are you going to just strip this thing down more and, and worry about pinching every penny and let that stand in the way of what you have? Are you going to waste another year of Jose Ramirez? Are you going to waste another year of having Tanner Bybee making the league minimum? Like things like that. And I could segue easily here to level three of this conversation, but I don't want to do that yet. So do you have anything to add on Quantrill? I, I mean, I like the, the starting pitching depth is a little, it would make me nervous if I was them after yeah. the first five. And I, I'm, you're going to, they needed 14 starters last year. <laughs> I'm very nervous. So level three has nothing to do with Quantrill. Cause if that's the case, I do have a few more things. And I like the scenario where they're, Letting go of Quantrill because they they believe that he's not a as big of a part of their team as maybe I believe that he can be, and so they believe that six million dollars can be better spent elsewhere. I, because we can disagree from a baseball standpoint on that, and I could say I I I'm too nervous about the the depth of your rotation. And, and by the way, if you were having any idea, any thought. Any inkling of trading a Shane Bieber this offseason is going to be extremely tough to do that, considering you just traded maybe the guy that would have assumed his spot in that rotation as sort of a guarantee. So the the depth is already thin, and that sort of takes that Bieber conversation. I'm not saying completely off the table, because there are other things you could do to in, to to better prepare you from a depth standpoint, even if you traded him. But based on what we know now, I think that's that's just another thing. You're talking about that list that's not that long. That would just be adding something else to the end of the list that you would have to. So, yeah, you might fix the outfield to an extent, but you're still creating a new problem for yourself a little bit further down the line. Here's the thing, and this is why I think the framing of what Antonetti said was not doing. It was doing a disservice because if it's all about money and we got to strip down the payroll even more, you're not paying Cal Quantrill six and a half million today. You're paying him starting in April, right? So you could have tendered him a contract, kept him, trade a Bieber who's making twice that, trade Bieber for a position player, and then you're saving six million, the same amount you're saving by DFA and Quantrill. So I, that's why I, I do think, I think there is concern about what the financial situation is. I think it's also a head-scratcher that they DFA'd Quantrill. I don't think the two have to be, you know, in intertwined and there's no nothing else at play here. And I think when the reporting is they cut ties with Quantrill because Bally's is going bankrupt, like, I, that's, that's not, it's not providing the full context that's necessary. Sure, that's the way I read into it too. That I felt like they were probably connected, but it was a combination of that mixed with better way to allocate it, maybe believing that what we saw from him two years ago, he's just never going to get back there 
fully and that he's always going to be a guy that lives on the edge when it comes to looking below the surface and seeing some things that don't always look repeatable. And and so I, I, I can get that. It's not that I think letting Cal Quantrill go sinks the 2024 season. Very far from it. I just, I don't like the the sort of precedent that we're starting with to begin the offseason where we're already looking at $6 million being, well, this is just the beginning too. And I, that part also maybe makes me a little bit nervous because it's not a, well, they got rid of Quantrill and that $6 million is off the board and so everything else is good. Everything else can just move forward. I don't have any guarantee of that. I have none. I mean, we can look at the fact that Ramon Laureano has made the cut on this roster so far, but does that mean that they're going to tender him a contract? I don't know to this point. Could he be part of the as well? I have no idea, and I think it's a dangerous precedent to start the offseason that way, considering this team isn't that far away, and it's not like they need to put a ton in. God, it feels like we say that a lot of offseasons. You're not asking for the top free agent. You're asking for a little bit here and there just to fortify the roster, just to make you better in the areas that you're clearly struggling in. So let's go to level two. And that's the national part of this. The Quantrill thing is interesting because I know, like I heard from a scout who has asked me about Quantrill 23 times over the last few years. Um, And I know he had a rough year. I also know that happens. It's baseball. He had some injuries. and, And like everybody has the information. They know the metrics have never looked good. The projections are never going to look good. He outpitched them. I mean, no one is making this guy out to be an ace or an all-star. Um, but how many teams even have to think about their TV deal? The six and a half, whether six and a half million is too cumbersome to be a back end of the rotation guy. I mean, free agent pitchers worse than Quantrill, who you're just trying to round out your rotation, or you're a crappy team and you just need a warm body. Those types of free agent starting pitchers go for like $10 million a year. So Quantrill at $6.5 million to the average team wouldn't even think twice. And usually you can trade a guy like that at some point if you need to. So how many teams, you know, if you're the Dodgers, what do you care, right? Like, so it's going to be interesting now because this process, either they have to trade him or they have to, put him on waivers and someone will claim him and um, you know, he'll go somewhere, but, or he'll clear waivers, I guess, and be a free agent. I just, it's so weird how the experience as a fan depends on where you live, where your parents raised you, right? Or where are you, Pointed to on a map one day. My my, I have an uncle who lives in Oregon, and he used to say that he ended up there because he just randomly pointed to it on a map and said, "I'm going to move there." And it's like, I mean, you hear the stories of like, "Oh, I'm a fan because my my <laughs> uncle knew Bear Bryant, so I love Alabama football." Like, and it's you never think used about- to spin the globe back in first grade and 
put the finger down and that would be where you were going to travel? You never did that when you were little? Oh, yeah. You end up in like Chad (laughs) or one of the stands that you can't spell. Um, You know, legend has it. You can do that. And everywhere your finger lands, there's a Godcast listener there. I've heard it. (laughs) That's right. People are saying. Cheers to that. So nice, nice mug you got there. Think about the conversations we're having in Cleveland where it's like trying to get to the bottom of how a team is not keeping a guy for six and a half million. And then think about the conversations they're having in like San Francisco where they're like, do you think they can get Otani and Yamamoto or one or the other? And who's the fallback option? And like, this is not new. This is also the only sport we do this in. The NBA is a little different because it seems like it's more about like warm weather cities, but markets don't matter. You've got Giannis and Dame in Milwaukee, right? So if you can draft and you can win so that you can keep the star you drafted, you can bring another talent around him and you can succeed. You saw it in Cleveland. So baseball is so unique in that the experience, if you're if you just happen to grow up in New York, especially now with Cohen and owning the Mets, I mean, you've got two teams there that are just any free agent. They're going to be on that list. And in Cleveland, we're sitting here debating, like, what should we read into with Cal Quantrill being DFA'd? <laughs> it just blows my mind that that's, that's the national landscape here. Like, it's, I mean, we talked about this, TJ, like the winter meetings. Remember last year, I remember watching talking to a Yankees writer we know and watching him operate the day. Remember the day Aaron Judge, we thought he signed with the Giants. What did John Heyman tweet? Arson. (laughs) Arson Judge. Arson Judge to the Giants, and then he ends up going to the Yankees. And just how miserable of an experience that is at the winter meetings because Yankees could be in on anyone, and it's an expectation. Like it's it's the standard that they are they signed the guy whoever it is Garrett Cole, um, in Cleveland like winter meetings, oh I'm chilling posted up at the Cheesecake Factory and like just hanging out people <laughs> watching like what am I gonna do there? Uh, although they did sign Josh Bell while I was in a meeting last year, but you know it, it's just so different and. It's amazing that in 2023, that's still the case. This Bally situation has been not just this offseason, but I even think since they switched to Bally's and it has gotten increasingly more difficult for fans to watch the games. Amidst all the cord cutting that has happened over the years in baseball, doing everything they can to make life difficult on the fans that actually want to watch the sport. For about two years, I had to jump through hoop after hoop to watch these games. And you know, I'm, in, I'm invested. I sit here with you and do these shows. I got to be able to watch. That's me. I'm, I'm willing to jump through the hoops to get it done and to watch most games. But what about the casual fan? 
you know, the, the way that I feel about watching a Cavs game. If it's on, yeah, I'll, I'll flip it on. Last night I watched like parts of the first half last night, and then that's it. I turn it off. What about the fans that they're at that level of interest? And as the year progresses and if the team's good, they're in, but how are you making sure that they have access to Guardians games? I feel like it just keeps getting worse and worse every year. Now, you want to make the case that it's just, it's because people have cut the cord, and there used to be an easy way to do it. It was just on cable, and okay. But times have changed. You can't just yell. I've said this before. You can't just yell about the way that the water is flowing. Uh, you just need to do something about, you want to go that direction? You got to build your boat in such a way that you can do that. You can't yell about the current. It's just, that's the way the world has 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 turned the last few years. So adapt with with the changes and the fact that you still can't there are people that have money in their hand this frustrates me to no end because i've been in this this boat <laughs> there we go i'm sitting there with money in my hand i want to watch this team and i can't i can't do it but why because i'm blacked out because i, I can't sign up for mlb tv because you got to protect the the rights holders and it, well we're seeing where that got him I, I'm trying to pay you to watch your sport, and I can't access the teams unless I'm downloading a VPN. And even I think they've cut off ways for you for you to be able to do that now. That's ridiculous. If a, if a fan is sitting there willing to pay you X amount per month to watch the team, they should be able to do that. Find a way to make that happen. And the fact that we're we're still sitting here and we're what was it two years ago and. Bally's was rolling out this plan that maybe you could do something like that. And that's, it never happened. It never happened. We're sitting here today. We we'll don't even know where they're going to be at on TV. Now you could tell me, Hey, TJ, similar things happen with the, with the NCAA tournament. It's tough to find these games. I don't know where they're at, but it's the NCAA tournament. Same with the NFL. They can afford to put a game on Amazon because it's the fricking NFL. And people will go there, and they'll find, and they'll jump through those hoops. You can't make life that difficult on the fans to find the teams that they want to watch. So if you have people that are trying to give you their hard-earned money for you to watch, they want to watch your sport, your this team. Why do you make it so difficult for them to do that? And I hope this should be the catalyst. All of this happening with many different teams. This should be the catalyst for MLB to finally say we got to stop being idiots. At least when it pertains to this, there'll be 17 other things this week that we're an idiot about. But let's do something about this so that we can actually have our fans access the games that they want to watch. You said it's the freaking NFL. Why? How has it become the freaking NFL? How did it grow into this mm. empire? I, that we what, cannot live four hours. <laughs> well, we're going to... Tr- <laughs> Levels two and three, are we're, we're going to blur the lines here because I think this all ties in together. We, we don't have these conversations with the NFL. No one... We, we talk about the salary cap with the Browns. How are they going to roll money over? Do they have space so that they can afford another defensive lineman? Um, things like that. They landed. I mean, say what you want about Deshaun Watson, especially this week, but 
I mean, they were able to spend $230 million guaranteed on a quarterback. You know, Guardians, before Jose Ramirez, hadn't spent more than $60 million on a player, period. And didn't even make it to the so, end of the contract. <laughs> it, it's, we only have these conversations in baseball. And I think, I think that's played a huge part in this becoming a regional sport. And when it's a regional sport, no one gives a shit if you've got a game on Peacock at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday. Well, I'm not tuning in to watch Tigers Angels. Don't care. We've talked about this before. When was the last time you watched Sunday Night Baseball? Like the night they came back and beat the Mariners in 2001? I mean, like it's... Is it a rewatch I just, count? I don't know. <laughs> if it's like Mets... Cubs, like I just... I, I don't care. And I that's that's the issue. Because Thursday night, Bengals-Ravens. I'm interested in that. The worst NFL games. I'd at least like consider it. And there's there are wrinkles to this. NFL is perfect for gambling and fantasy. And like those things, you're never going to match in baseball. You can do more to emphasize those. Um, I've got buddies who bet no run first inning constantly. And they seem to have a blast. <laughs> well, like... 49% of the time. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I I just think it's become and it's taken years and years and years to get to this point. And it's going to take years and years and years if they're ever going to get out of it. But it's become such a regionalized sport and it's just it, it I mean I've said this a million times. I, I started saying it when the I don't know if they were the Indians or the Guardians when Cleveland was we were having the debates about whether they were going to sign Jose Ramirez or, or trade him. And we were saying, you know, if you're not going to sign that, like, what are we doing here? If you're not going to sign this guy, if payroll is such a burden, sell the team, it doesn't have to be your burden. And I, at the time, I think it was chiefs Buccaneers had played in the super bowl. And I said, that's Kansas city versus Tampa. So not two big markets. Can you imagine if it was Royals Rays in the ALCS? Like MLB would be panicking doesn't matter in the nfl we don't have to imagine we just saw terrible ratings for this past world series which was a fun world series with two like say what you will about their path to get there but they were two exciting teams with cool stories nobody tuned in nobody cared and that's that's the frustrating thing to me is that i think the sport has a lot to offer and you can tell that they've finally come around to wanting to make it more marketable to want wanting to make it more palatable to the casual fam with the pitch clock and um it is a more watchable product and there are exciting moments and there are like i wish people knew about shohei otani and what he was doing the way we knew about mcguire and sosa and griffey and those guys um you know nobody knows who mike trout is and it's too late because he's past his prime now like it's so I, i just there's a lot to offer and i feel like baseball has just stubbed its toe for so long that it now has no idea how to allow people to see what it has to offer. And the TV thing, you're right. It's an opportunity to correct a long-standing wrong. I just have no confidence that that's going to happen. 
Yeah, well, there is one solution if you ask everyone on my Twitter. It's to put the, the team on WAB43. I, that might have been my most interacted with tweet. Now, not that I tweet much anymore as it is, but I'm still getting 24 hours later. I'm still getting people say, yeah, put them back on 43. Change the name too while we're at it, but put them back on 43. I was surprised. I was going to say, if you know what this logo is, it's time to schedule that doctor's appointment. And I'm sorry for your back hurting the way that it is. Before history is written. It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. But everybody recognizes it and everybody reminisces about that. And the fact, you can't tell me that they're harder to access now hasn't hurt some of the the connections that people feel to the team and the interest level in the team. And even beyond TV on radio too, we've privately had this conversation that the baseball team in Cleveland is on a, is on a, a radio station where they're discussed when they're on and they're discussed on the post game show. And our pal Dennis Maniloff doing his best, his, his best to make it interesting after a game or something. But then it's pfft, goodbye, back to whatever we had programmed before. You have two sports stations in this town. I used to work with them both. And neither station sent anybody. And you could say, well, you, you could get sound. You can air it live. Yeah, true. You can do that. I'm talking about sending an on-air personality. Someone that is going to get in there and ask questions and want to build relationships with the new manager. You know, when, when Terry Francona was announced as this manager, I'm pretty sure a couple of guys from KNR were there. I remember Adam the Bull being there at the time he was hosting the afternoon. And he asked a question. We all laughed because he, he didn't know what to introduce himself as. So he just said Adam the Bull <laughs> in the press conference. <laughs> but he was there. And... You're showing your audience that this matters to to me if I'm the sports radio station. As a listener, if you if nobody goes and nobody asks a question and you cut off the press conference before it's even over and the minute it's over, you're back to what's going on with the quarterback situation or whatever thing we've gotten out of the, the washing machine dryer and put back up as our Browns topic for the day. How are you ever going to make it back into being relevant? And part of it is on the team itself. Maybe a long time ago, they should have thought about where they're putting their radio rights. But maybe it should be on a, a station where they're actually going to be talked about a little bit more because the radio station that has them is invested in making that a product that people actually want to listen to. Jim Rosenhaus, who we love hosts a weekly off-season show. Uh, it was called Tribe Talk. I don't know what it's called anymore. Guards Talk? I don't know. Guards During the Gab. Off-season. Guards Gab. Has Do you know when it's on? It's easy. Any idea when it's on? Uh, isn't that usually Saturdays at like four in the afternoon or something like that? Saturdays at five. Is that prime time? <laughs> 
Saturdays at 5 that's, p.m. That's like you when you want to give away hour. a platinum. That's a platinum glove giveaway time, if I've ever heard it. <laughs> you get one hour of Guardians Talk on the home station, and it's Saturdays at 5. Who is, like, I guess if you're on in the car on the way to an early dinner on a Saturday night, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's so that, I mean, that's, this is when people just want to blame ownership, do it. (laughs) Like it's, it's a, it's a local problem. It's an organization problem. It's a sport problem. It's a national problem within the sport. And I I just, I just, every decision the league makes seems to be short-sighted. The pitch clock was the first one that didn't feel like that. And I think it was a rousing success. As someone who... <laughs> Tell them to calm down, though. Oh, we're so good. Let's, let's do it again. Let's ramp it up even faster. And then the games will be even more entertaining. <laughs> Slow down. They're, now they're talking about 20 to 18 seconds. In five years, it's going to be... Throw the ball <laughs> instantly. Throw it back to the pitcher, and if you're not right on the rubber, ready to throw another one, you're getting called for violation. Come on, these guys breathe. It was one year. I just, you know, it's it's like the A's are moving to Vegas, even though Vegas will be the smallest market in MLB now. The plot of land they have to build the ballpark is like the size of your living room like it's it's tiny it's right off the strip and i just like i understand it it sucks for the people there they have lost all three of their teams in recent years and i I mean we we know what that's like in cleveland a little bit right and you can't say art modell's name out loud in this city without someone shouting obscenities near you so I can't imagine what Oakland fans are going through. Um, like, I understand why the NFL went to Vegas. From what I've read, like, it sounds like MLB. It's like, how, how are you going to get people there? I love that city. I'm a regular visitor. I can be walking down the strip at no point am I ever going to be like, Let's go sit at a baseball game. Um, I, I just and it, it it just again it's like I don't know. Do we need another city where it's going to be like, well, we don't really have the revenue and small market and all that, and it's like it feels like it's just feeding the problem. And then maybe the league will expand by two teams, and then I don't know. What what like it the 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 game needs better revenue sharing. That that's the point here. Like salary cap works in the NFL and the NBA because of the revenue sharing because everyone's already playing on an equal field. And I understand it you can't just have the same designs in MLB because it's 162 games and because the NFL they play once a week. So you can just air all those games on national TV and it doesn't matter. You can't do that in the ML, in in baseball. That's fine. But there has to be a solution here that makes this make sense because you need 
you need people to care about MLB and they don't. And that's the problem is that, you know, most people, they, they don't want to subscribe to MLB.tv. Like, I, if I'm a Phillies fan, like, just give me Phillies games. I don't need to watch Blue Jays, Rangers. Um, and in the NFL, it's different. You know, you get Sunday tickets, you can watch all the games. If your team's playing at four, you're still tuning in at one to watch whatever game CBS and Fox are airing because you've got fantasy players on those teams. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm not sure that it's more of a sport thing as it is what you're talking about, the the gambling aspect, the fantasy aspect. I think it fuels a lot more of the I will watch a random whatever. I, I, it's not that I'm saying I think on average more people enjoy the game of football more than they do baseball. I'm What I'm saying is I don't think the lone deciding factor here is I love football so much. I think you're invested in it because... You have people on your team. You're going against other people. You're scouting players that maybe you're thinking of trading for, and you got money, and you got, you're invested because you have things invested in these games. And there's that's how I get my my longest bike rides on the Peloton, or because <laughs> I'll throw some pocket change on a random there you noon go. Big Ten game and <laughs> pedal away for hours, not even realizing what I'm doing. I don't want to hear what you think is pocket change, considering, you know, what we're pulling in on this show. I don't want I also don't want to be someone that is just complaining about this and not offering mm-hmm. any solutions. I was having a conversation with my, my son the other day and I said, you don't want he was telling me all the things he didn't like. And I said, it's it. Anybody can do that. You can tell me what the problems are. Anybody can identify those. How do we work to solve and, and form a solution? And we eventually got that story about that turkey taken care of. Largely because of him. I, I barely had anything to do with it. So he solved the problem. How do we solve the problem? Of course, we're not going to sit here and figure this, this thing out. But I do believe taking away the, the roadblocks from the people that actually do care. That, that's a great place to start. Making the games more accessible to those that are willing to pay for it. The model as it exists right now, clearly it's, it's crumbling away beneath them. And so you're, you're, you're going to have to, even if it gets uncomfortable or current deals are a little bit uncomfortable because they don't like people having an ability to go stream a game somewhere else, well, make it so these places have ways that you, you can pay us directly. There has to be a way for somebody that is in an area that wants to pay you to watch these games can do it. How do you make that happen? How do you, what's the cost for that? Figure out what that is because you shouldn't be putting limitations on the people that actually do care. That is an easy place to start. I mean, we're talking about a sport that several years ago was making it so you can't put their highlights on YouTube if you're not the official MLB account. Meanwhile, YouTube and TikTok and Zach, who has just discovered Reels, which are TikToks that were popular six weeks ago, that is, that is how people are consuming anything of entertainment value now. So if I have, I don't want to say people like us, but people that do this sort of thing better than we do, that are trying to make the game more fun and are trying to do cool things with video and highlights, make it easier for them to, to, I mean, you, 
you are basically getting free advertising from anybody on YouTube that's trying to do that. How much has Pitching Ninja helped to expand the game? Or just, not even expand the game, but just made it seem cooler by things that he does on social media. And you're going to stop him from doing that? It's just, stop getting out of your own way and let the people that love this game help spread the game and make it accessible for those that are wanting to consume it. It seems like that is an easy first step. And just to reiterate, like I, I don't want this to be like a downer of an episode either. Like I, this is not. I hate sounding like I'm too late, complaining. Dude. It's more too late. It's it's frustration because the potential's there, and also like I I want kids like I I love. There's nothing I love more as a kid than playing baseball in the neighborhood or little league or whatever. And like I want that to continue, and I know that that's decreasing seems like every year so i want to be able to reach reach kids um yeah i don't i I don't have the answers though but they're there they're somewhere there's just got to be there's a better way i think part of it is like streaming services too like that bubble is that going to burst at some point i mean Mm. are we going to start bundling those and then I, I, like I don't know where if this. Goes. Only somebody would take all the channels and put them on one service. <laughs> <laughs> what once was old yeah. will be new again. Yeah, we're on our way. I just I, the 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 basis and why this we're doing this episode now is just sports are supposed to be fun. Playing them when you were a kid was fun. Watching them when you were a kid and you didn't care about all this was fun and I just think about the conversation I like Guardians fans man they're tough it's just like these are the conversations you guys have to have why did we DFA Cal Quantrill (laughs) do I have to worry that the payroll is going to be slashed again there's nothing left to slash you're you are correct in that it's weird that we got into this huge philosophical identity crisis conversation based on a DFA of Cal Quantrill, who, if all things go as the Guardians wish, is just a non-entity at all. Right, but, and that's but it's a, it's it's a symptom of the larger issue. Is correct what's going on? It it was it's Quantrill plus the TV stuff plus Oakland moving, and. Yeah, I, the, the fact that the, the TV thing, it's like nobody knows what they're doing. And yet at the same time, it's like, did you not? Like, we knew this was coming. We've been talking about bankruptcy and rumors of bankruptcy for more than a year. Anyway. The Quantrill thing. Go fix your outfield and no one will remember this. That's the bottom line. Like this could be a non, this could be something we totally forgot about by February. If it's not, then there's an issue here. I hope people are laughing at us, pulling up this episode months from now and saying, remember when you idiots were complaining about Cal Quantrill, who's got a six ERA and triple A with the Blue Jays? I I, I hope that's the case. I, I definitely do. Am I really nervous about the pitching depth now? Yes, I am. The other thing is, 
<clears throat> I think the part that, that maybe frustrates me is that this team isn't dumb. The front office isn't unwise. They know the things that we know. They are panicked about it themselves. I just hope that it, it has a lot more to do from a baseball standpoint than it does a payroll standpoint. That's, as I said, it's a dangerous precedent to set in a very, a very key offseason in establishing what the direction of this franchise is going to be. So who's coaching third base? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, well, who cares? Uh, Kai Correa followed me on Twitter. <laughs> Maybe him. Hmm. I miss the good old days when it seems like there was a lot more of that kind of stuff going on. Whether I'll it was tracking planes or who was who was following other people. Maybe that's more of an NBA thing. See, that's the thing. Baseball needs that. They need more of that. Do more of that. Become popular more again. More backstabbing of, of managers. Craig Council stealing another guy's job and saying, I'm doing this for all the managers. I'm getting paid more for you. Except you. Ross, you're out of here. <laughs> when Kai Correa joined the Giants, a Giants writer, he followed on Twitter. Giants writer asked him, oh, thanks for the follow. Are you coaching with the Giants now? And he said yes. That's all I got to do, and we'll have the scoop here first. Well, well, let's do it on the air. Let's do it right now. You pull up those DMs. <laughs> One eternity later. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that'll be for next week. I've got Cheers an idea. Cheers to a good episode. Yeah, thank, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll raise you one there, too, as well. Hmm. I will say in regards to these, and we'll have more on this coming up in the coming weeks. If you're a Patreon supporter, you're going to find out about those mugs. If you're listening on audio, this is just ASMR. But if you're on, on YouTube, you might have an idea of what we're talking about. So go go subscribe to us on YouTube. We're doing all the free episodes over there as well. You get the video component where you see our, well, your beautiful face, my not-so-beautiful face, and the things that we're interacting with in our environment that maybe you want to be paying attention to. And go support the show at patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast for more on that. So my idea, outside of the fact that if, you know, you're, you're looking ahead and thinking about watching games in Las Vegas, you just go to SeatGeek, you just code Selby, $20 off your first ticket purchase. No, my idea. You're such a pro. Why can't we just air the games on our Patreon channel? Sure. Do you want play-by-play or should I take play-by-play? No. You're play-by-play. So you're gonna do you're the Rick Manning here? Nope, I'm the Dennis Miller. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Can you turn a phrase for me real quick before we leave? No. I got nothing. Did we fix baseball or do we make it worse? Oh no, we just said, hey, look, all this stuff's broken. Well, we're out of here. How Cal Quantrill killed baseball. <laughs> God, I love this sport. No one complains more about baseball than baseball fans. And rightfully so. Right there with you. We love all of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for checking us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like. I'm only doing that to see if the algorithm actually makes those fireworks blow up on the YouTube screen. I don't know. Let me know. Drop us a comment. It helps. The algorithm. It does. We'll see you 
next week over at Patreon. Bye.